Lesson 4, How I Apply Trust in My Life. First, a quick recap. In the introduction, I listed 10 benefits of trust, 5 material and 5 spiritual. And I showed why even the richest guy in the world isn't better off than me, a guy who trusts in God. In Lesson 1, I defined trust as a feeling of peace and serenity that I feel when I know that the someone in whom I trust will take care of me, even beyond my expectations. In Lesson 2, I listed 7 things that would make me trust in someone and concluded that God has these trustworthy qualities times infinity. In Lesson 3, I discussed 5 things that God requires from me for my trust to work. Recognition, sincerity, exclusivity, obedience, and partnership. 1. Recognition. That God alone is the sole cause of everything. 2. Sincerity. Since God reads my mind, He knows whether I'm sincerely trusting in Him. 3. Exclusivity. I trust only in God and not even my lucky bowling shoes. 4. Obedience. I have to play by His rules, learning Torah and following His commandments. And 5. Partnership. I can't quit my day job. I show up to work and let God do the rest. Now in Lesson 4, I'm going to explore 7 categories how I trust in God in 7 areas of my life. Here we go. I trust in God as it relates to Category 1, me, myself, and I. Category 2, my money and my stuff. Category 3, my wife and kids, friends and enemies. Category 4, mitzvahs that I do alone, Han Solo. Category 5, it takes two to tango, mitzvahs that I do with others. Category 6, my reward in the world to come. And Category 7, earning brownie points for the world to come. Category 1, how I trust in God regarding matters that relate to me, myself, and I just to myself and my basic needs. First, I trust that God provides me with 1. Life 2. Food to eat 3. Money in the bank 4. A roof over my head 5. My health and wellness and 6. My quirky character Even though God provides me with all these basic necessities, I can't just sit on my couch and wait for mana sandwiches to fall in my lap. Remember, I've tried. I can't rely on miracles, since if I do rely on miracles, there could be one of two outcomes. 1. I might die of hunger or sickness, God forbid, and be punished as if I murdered someone. Or two, God may in fact save me with a miracle, but my reward in the world to come will be diminished as a result. Basically, I'm not allowed to put my life in danger, or God forbid worse. Instead, I'm keeping my day job, even though I realize that my sustenance isn't coming from the work per se, but rather directly from God through the garb of my day job. I get it. God, you're pretty sneaky. I never need to think about switching careers to make more money since God is providing for me according to His will, sometimes giving me more and sometimes giving me less, but always giving me exactly what I need, regardless of my day job. Category 2. How I trust in God regarding matters relate to my money and my stuff. Here's a big secret. God provides me with 100% of my needs from the day I'm born until the day I die. Guaranteed. That's pretty cool. And it takes a big load off my shoulders, since now I know that I have really nothing to worry about in that department. So all that I need is guaranteed. Wow, that even rhymes. But what about what I want? A little extra gravy with my meat and potatoes, please. Sometimes God provides me with extra money and stuff, and sometimes he doesn't. It's completely up to him. And if God wants to treat me to some extra sauce, then I don't need to do anything to get it, nor can I do anything more to get it. When I rely on God, I'm in the trust zone. I've got peace of mind and tranquility of my soul. Since I know that whatever I have, I am meant to have. I'm not going to be passed over, nor can my blessings be given to some other guy. I can't receive my sustenance a moment earlier nor later than when God decrees. My biggest test of wealth comes 
when God directs the sustenance of many people through my hands in order to test me to see whether I'm serving God or rebelling against him. This test of ego is among my most difficult trials and temptations, and I often fail in one, if not all, of these three ways. Hoarding, gangstering, and shaming. Number one, first hoarding. I mistakenly assume that all this surplus cash is mine. All mine. <laughs> I hoard it all for myself. Forget about sharing any of it with others. Usually, I figure out that things don't really work that way. God only guarantees my needs. And God only guarantees my needs. When it comes to the needs of my family, the funds are not guaranteed. To snap out of it, I reflect on the fact that the money that I amass, beyond my needs, I might never live to enjoy. In the worst case, all of this money that I'm hoarding may end up in the pocket of my wife's future husband, my murderer, or my greatest enemy, who may inherit these after my death. Number two, gangstering. Another mistake I make. I get so caught up in the rush of making another buck that I bend the rules a bit, choosing an unethical path. Who said business always has to be glot kosher? I fool myself. How do I snap out of it? I imagine that I'm walking through a desert in search of water. I come upon a salty, bitter lake and drink my fill, only to discover there's an icy, pure water cooler waiting for me just a few steps further on. Since God has ordained that I'll make a certain amount of money, why drink the bitter water? Do something unethical when I could earn exactly the same amount by choosing an honest parnasa. Three, shaming. Finally, hoarding cash gets me super arrogant, thinking that I'm richer because I'm smarter or deserve it because I'm better than everyone else. I end up shaming people, making others practically beg for the money that I owe them, fair and square, and that God has ordained that I give to them. And sometimes I use my money to win people's honor. The world honors rich guys and big shots, you know. The senseless masses somehow think that by flattering and honoring me, I'll open up my wallet and throw them my cash. <laughs> Guess again. Really, only if I live like a mensch might I deserve any honor, not by flaunting my money and stuff. Category 3. How I trust in God regarding my wife and children, friends, and enemies. Basically, there are only two possibilities in life. One, I'm living all alone. No family, no friends, nada. Or two, I'm not all alone. I have a family, friends, and other associates. I'm an introvert by nature. So when I'm alone, I'm super thankful that I have more time to focus on my own spiritual growth. When I'm not alone, I rely on God to save me from the burdens usually associated with being involved with other people. There are some real benefits to a life of solitude. One, the prophets would remove themselves from worldly distractions, including social relationships, in order to receive the prophecy. Two, there's also that story about the city of ascetics, who all dressed the same, dug grave sites outside their front doors, and lived a distance away from their wife and children in order to live less distracted, more pious lives. On the other hand, there are some benefits and challenges, to say the least, to living and interacting with other humans. When I live with others, I do so with loyalty, piety, and altruism. One, loyalty. I'm a dedicated son, father, husband, and friend. I take care of others wholeheartedly, avoiding anything that might cause them harm. Two, piety. I teach my family and others to serve God. And three, altruism. I do all this without any hope for reward, honor, or praise, nor in order to rule over others. In terms of dealing with superiors or subordinates, like my boss and colleagues, when I ask them for something... I trust that it is God who is really delivering on what I need. If others fulfill my request, I thank God and thank them too, since they merited that good things are coming to me through them. It is well known that good things usually come through righteous people, and God rarely causes loss to come through them. If my boss or employees 
don't do what I asked of them, then I thank them politely for their efforts, nonetheless. I don't blame them, since ultimately everything is up to God. With regard to my enemies, who covet my possessions and seek to harm me, you know, the losers of the world, I just calmly rely on the Creator. I tolerate when they embarrass me and don't take revenge. Instead, I repay them with kindness and remember that ultimately any benefit that I receive or harm that comes to me is in God's hands. If enemies succeed at harming me, I suspect it's my previous misdeeds towards God that is causing my misfortune. Category 4. How I trust in God regarding mitzvahs that I do Han Solo, all alone. Some examples of mitzvahs that I do all alone include fasting, prayer, sukkah, lulav, keeping Shabbos and festivals, avoiding transgressions, and duties of the heart. In general, there are three steps to accomplishing any goal. Choosing, planning, and doing. First, choosing whether or not to do something. Second, planning how to do something. And third, actually doing it. When it comes to business, truth be told, I'm flying blind. I don't know one, what to choose to do, nor two, what is the best plan of action, nor three, will I ever succeed at doing it? So I have to rely on God for all three. I don't know which merchandise to buy, which business trip to take, or what I can do to be successful in business. So I just choose a practical path, make sincere efforts, and then pray that God bless me with success. When it comes to my spiritual life of Torah and mitzvahs, I don't have to figure out the first two steps, choosing whether or not to do mitzvahs, and planning how to do the mitzvahs. God has already revealed to me in the Torah, number one, to choose the path of Torah to choose life. And number two, the Shulchan Arach tells me how to go about doing all the mitzvahs. I don't need to pray to God that he should help guide me whether or not to learn Torah do mitzvahs. Moses got the memo on Mount Sinai 3,300 years ago and passed it down to the rabbis ever since. What the Torah tells me is good or the opposite will never cease, nor will they ever change. So it would be silly for me to rely on God to help me choose the right path since he's already told me to choose life. So in spiritual matters, the first two steps, choosing whether or not to do something and the planning how to do something are pretty clear to me. It's up to me to, one, choose the path of Torah and mitzvahs, and two, follow the plan taught in Shulchan Aruch to go about doing it. But what about the third step, actually doing the mitzvah? My actually doing Torah and mitzvahs is ultimately up to God. Category 5. It takes two to tango. How I trust in God regarding mitzvahs that I do with others. There's a saying, it takes two to tango. So these are my tango mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that I do along with other people. My tango mitzvahs include charity, tithing, teaching Torah, teaching proper conduct and warning against the opposite, returning deposits and debts, keeping a secret, speaking positively about others, behaving kindly towards my fellow, honoring my parents, inspiring others to do teshuva, giving good advice, showing compassion to the poor, and mercy to others in their distress, tolerating embarrassment, etc. Some guidelines. First, when the opportunity arises, one, I choose to do these tango mitzvahs, and two, I make the efforts to do them. After I've done number one and two, I rely exclusively on God for number three, completing the mitzvah that I intend to do that is in accordance with what God wants from me. Second, my goal should be to draw others close to God, not God forbid to make a name for myself, nor to rule over others. Third, I always scrupulously conceal my actions from others. For when my mitzvahs are concealed from others, my reward is much greater than if others find out. Number four, on the one hand, I am fearless of those who mock me. On the other hand, I am modest if people praise me for my good deeds. Finally, when God causes a mitzvah to be performed through me, I thank Hashem for his kindness since he gave me the opportunity to serve him. The reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. Category six, 
How I trust in God regarding my reward in the world to come. God rewards me in one of two ways. For some mitzvahs, I receive rewards in this world alone. For other mitzvahs, I receive rewards solely in the world to come. Sometimes I may be deserving of both rewards, in this world and the next, even for the same action. The five books of Moses, the Chumash, explicitly describes the punishments that I get in this world for transgressing. But it doesn't explicitly explain my reward and punishment in the world to come. Why is that? Consider these seven reasons why the reward and punishment of the world to come are not explicitly mentioned in the five books. Number one, words cannot describe this out-of-body experience. Number two, details about the reward and punishment of the world to come was passed down quietly to the sages in each generation. Number three, the Jews who came out of Egypt were too immature to get it. Number four, a reward is not guaranteed given how much we still owe to God. Number five, the world to come rewards hidden things such as the duties of my heart. Six, grasping the world to come is way beyond my pay grade anyway. And the final reason why the Chumash doesn't mention the reward and punishment of the world to come is seven, that's not the ultimate goal. Connecting to God is. In conclusion, I never rely on my good deeds, assuring myself that I will surely receive a reward for my deeds in this world or the next. Rather, I merely do good as a way of thanking God for his constant kindness, not out of hope for reward as payback. Honestly, were I to scrupulously account for all that I owe to God in return for all of his kindness to me, I would never have the chutzpah to expect any reward in the world to come. So in short, I always remember not to rely on my good deeds. Instead, just rely on Hashem's kindness. Category 7. How I trust in God regarding earning brownie points for the world to come. Hey God, is there any extra credit work I can do? Or bonus points I can earn to boost my GPA? My good deeds performance average? Can I trade in some mitzvah miles for an upgrade to first class? Get a seat with more legroom or a, a select room in heaven with a scenic view? Here's my no-fail formula for earning brownie points for the world to come. Number one, copying. I imitate what the pious people are doing. Number two, detesting the pleasures of the world and removing from my heart any love and desire for the material world. Number three, transforming. Instead, I exchange this for the love of my creator. May he be blessed. I give over myself to him and take pleasure in him. Number four, not fooling myself, acting like Zimri while expecting reward like Pinchas. There are even more ways to earn bonus miles when I, one, teach others to serve God, two, don't complain when faced with challenges and troubles, and three, consider easy anything connected with learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. Finally, like Avraham our father and other martyrs throughout our history, if I choose death over life, poverty over wealth, illness over health, troubles over serenity, and give myself over to the judgment of the Creator, willingly and joyfully accepting His decrees, then I may be deserving of the kindness of the Creator in granting me the pleasantness of the world to come. <laughs>